blessing this morning. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? And let's turn to page number 221. Page 221. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Page number 221. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent work. What more can He say than to you He hath said to you? charge hell with a squirt gun amen i don't you guys are like going i'm just reading through i mean i'm thinking son that's the faithfulness of our god amen and what a blessing uh that is sure glad you're here uh this morning and so looking forward to getting into the book of uh, romans uh once again and excited about what god uh has for us uh this morning and so glad you're here uh glad for those tuning in on live stream as well and sure looking forward to a great day uh, in the Lord. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer, though, this morning and ask God's blessing on our services. I'm going to ask Brother Jim uh, Wisdom back there if you would pray for us this morning.
Amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. I don't want to take a lot of time and make a lot of announcements uh, this morning. Of course, you have the bulletin and uh, things like that. And so, again, if you have kids uh, that are in the Faith Baptist School, make sure that you are aware of the uh, ori- parent orientation this coming Thursday night at 6 o'clock. Ladies, there's a ladies' meeting on Tuesday night, August the 30th at 7 o'clock. It is soup and salad. And then, of course, men, we do have the men's recharge, the Baptist men's recharge coming up at the end of September. And so you have through the month of August to sign up for that. So make sure that you do that. But I did want to just take a moment this morning and mention that our our building out there outside of the sanctuary, what we call the inner and outer foyers. And, of course, it has our nurseries and and restrooms and and offices and, and a couple of Sunday school classes. But that building has a brand new roof on it. And sure, thankful uh, for that. And I do just want to publicly thank Brother Will Kennedy, uh, one of the men in our church and his company, Cinemark. And uh, they were the ones they just kind of heard about it and wanted to donate the material. And then it kind of developed into donating the material as well as the labor. And so they were able to install a whole new roof. It's about a $40,000 roof that we got for nothing. And so praise somebody say amen this morning. That's just a real... Uh, blessing. But what I what I wanted to do in light of that was I wanted to get a couple of thank you cards uh, together, and so I did. Uh, one of those is for the uh, uh, brother Will Kennedy's boss uh, Steve, uh, who is there at Cinemark, and just kind of uh, was the one that kind of came up with this and uh, wanted to do this. And so we got a thank you card for him, and then also uh, there's another company that brother Will's company works closely with. And the man uh, who runs that is Abraham uh, Carmi, I believe. Is, how, is that how you pronounce his last name, Carmi? Uh, and so uh, he was very instigative in the sense of getting this kind of pushed along and was a real blessing. And so I got a thank you card for him as well. Those are sitting out there in the outer foyer. And the reason they're out there is because I wanted to ask if our church members, as you go by today, just go by and sign that thank you card uh, if you could think of something or maybe a scripture reference or something like that, just write that uh, by your name and that way we can kind of be a witness, certainly be a witness to these men. Uh, but we just want to express our gratitude and, and that was just a real blessing and we want to, ultimately we want to praise the Lord. Amen. And so that was just a real uh, blessing there and sure thankful for his provision. But those cards are out there. Make sure you sign those as you head out uh, today as a way of, of saying uh, thank you. And just fill that card up with signatures. That'll be a blessing. And uh, that way they can know it's not just me that's grateful, it's everybody that's grateful and a real blessing. Uh, Tonight, after the evening service, we're going to take care of a couple of things with business in regards to the roof and and some other things. And so uh, looking forward to that, but sure thankful for God's provision. Amen. All right, brother. Amen. If you would turn to page 286 with us this morning. Page 286, saved by the blood. There is no other way to be saved but through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Page 286. Let's sing it out together on that first verse. Saved by the blood of the crucified one.
visiting today. Thank you for being with us this morning. We're glad you're here today. Lift it up on that chorus, page number 286. Sing it out on that chorus. second. I know you've heard me say this before, but my goodness, we're thinking about our salvation this morning. I think we can do that with a smile on our face. Amen. Some of us need to wake up this morning. All right. Smile about what you're singing about. You're saved this morning. You're on your way to heaven. All your sin, it's all pardoned. It's all gone. You can be rejoicing in that this morning. Let's sing out that last verse together. Saved by the blood. All hail to the Father. All hail to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All hail to the Father, all hail to the Son, all hail to the Spirit, the great three in one, saved by the blood of the crucified one. Save, save, 
come forward for the offering. I'd like to read to you from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. He says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Brother Raymer, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. Precious Jesus, hold my hand. We sure need that, don't we? Amen. Let's all stand one last time. Turn to page 238. And can it be? Page number 238. We'll sing all four verses together this morning. Lift it up on the first now. And can it be that I should
people said amen praise the lord wonderful singing you may be seated this morning just before the message we're gonna have a special from mrs quinlan and mrs watson me 
Jesus, for I know he'll see me through. Then despair is changed to victory, every doubt just melts away, and in him there is hope for every day. glad as grace is sufficient. Amen. What a blessing and uh, what an encouraging uh, song. I know, I know it was for me because of the message this morning. I need His grace. Amen. And, uh, but what a blessing uh, this morning. Well, sure glad you're here and want to invite you to the book of Romans this morning in chapter uh, number one. And of course, we started our study in the book of Romans uh, several weeks ago. And we've preached a couple of messages out of it already. Uh, we know that Paul said he was separated under the gospel. He also said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And praise God for that. But now we are going to reach that, that passage of Scripture, which I believe probably most people, especially God's people who are students of the Bible, we would say this is what we know Romans chapter 1 primarily for. And so let's all stand in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand this morning. And I want to invite you to, again, Romans chapter 1, but look at verse number 17. This is where we left off uh, last week, and we know this, it says, For therein, talking about the gospel of Christ, mentioned in uh, verse number 16, it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now, skip down and let's begin at verse number 18, and the reason I wanted you to see that is because notice it says in verse number 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And so the point of seeing this is to get you to understand that just as the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith, so too has the wrath of God been revealed? Now listen, I, I realize we're, we're in the generation in, in which we are in. You've you got to understand this. Yes, God is a God of love. And praise God for that. His grace is sufficient. And we would understand that. But this, gen, this generation has forgotten that He is also a God of holiness and a God of wrath and a God of judgment. And so we need to understand those things. I realize this isn't a popular subject in our day and time, but it's still a Bible subject. And we need to see this this morning because notice, he says that this wrath of God that's been revealed uh, from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, and notice he says, who hold the truth 
in unrighteousness. And then in verse number 19, because that, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. They're clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, and I think this is so key right here, neither were thankful. Well, you want to talk about a generation today that is incredibly unthankful and ungrateful, but became vain in their, fool, in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Notice verse 26. Now listen, I, I'm just telling you, I tried to break this up, but you can't. You can't. It all flows together. Because notice, it goes on and says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving with a natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves... The, that recompense of their error which was meat. I'm telling you, yep, yep, it's, it's, it's an abomination in the Old Testament, but guess what? It's also in the New Testament too. It's, it's there. Verse 28, and even, they did not, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceitful, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers. Well, it used to be a man could shake your hand in any minute. Without natural affection, that means unsociable. Go to Walmart. This is what's sad. Go to church. And some people come in and out of this building. Don't shake anybody's hand. Don't speak with anybody. That's wrong. No, it's... You're without natural affection. Implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Wow. This is what I call this passage of Scripture. I, I call it this, and this is what I titled the message this morning, The Depravity of Man. Man, listen, man is not evolving. Man is devolving. 
Now, he can claim in his self-righteousness whatever he wants to, but that's the truth. And this is what depravity means. It means corruption and wickedness, destitute of holiness. And this is the direction that man goes without God and without the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when I say depravity, I do not mean that in the Calvinist sense of the word. Hopefully you understand that this morning. But if you don't, listen, I would say this, that even the context reveals that that type of depravity is wrong and unbiblical in every sense of the word. Last week we saw this where Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He revealed to the saints in Rome that he desired to be among them, and here's why, so that he could bear some fruit among them. Well, well, what do you mean? By preaching the gospel and seeing them be saved. And now we see why. Because this is the condition of men. This is where they go. And granted, yes, if they continue to reject God and they continue to reject Jesus Christ, they can get to that place of a reprobate mind and being unreasonable and not willing to listen and eventually face the judgment and wrath of Almighty God. However, I'm telling you, my friend, man can be saved. He can be saved and receive Jesus Christ as his Savior. So here's the application that I would say to you this morning. It would be certainly one of twofold. No doubt, obviously, the one here, one of those would be this, to the lost. And it's to say this, that, 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 that if you're lost and there's never been a time and place where you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, then my friend, don't put that off any longer. And here's why I say that, because as you continue to put it off, you will follow this pattern right here and you will reach a place in your heart and in your mind where you no longer can be reasoned with what by God. And I'm saying to you, don't get to that place. Come to Jesus Christ and be saved. Well, preacher, I mean, I, listen, there is a God in heaven. And He loves you, and He sent His Son to die for you, and He rose again the third day showing that He is God and that you can be saved. But let me tell you the second application. Because it's really to you and me who are saved this morning as God's people. Please listen to this. Paul isn't revealing the depravity of man so that God's people can exalt their own selves in self-righteousness. Paul is revealing this, this condition so that we, can see, we too can see where man is at and where he's going without Jesus Christ. And as Paul had a burden and wasn't ashamed of the gospel, Lord help us to leave this place this morning not ashamed of the gospel and burden for the lost to be saved. Father, would you bless the preaching of your word and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. <clears throat> As I studied this passage out and just kind of read through this and, and chewed on it for a little bit, I, the, the thing that came to my mind was the snowball effect. Now, if you're of my generation, a little bit older, maybe even a little bit younger, then you know, you know what the snowball effect is by the cartoons that you watched. The good stuff. Bugs Bunny. Elmer Fudd. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Classic. Tom and Jerry. 
Amen. I like to see, I, that's why I like mice, and I don't even like cats. Amen. So, <laughs> those are the good things. You understand? Because here's the deal. When Bugs Bunny rolled that little snowball down the hill, by the time it got to the bottom, it hit, it hit old Elmer Foot. That thing was a huge boulder of snow. That's the snowball effect. The snowball effect is a metaphor used to describe how something compounds and how it grows. I, I can remember uh, reading uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, and he uses the exact same metaphor to describe how you can pay off debt. You start with your smallest debt, and you pay it off, and then you take that money and add it to what you're paying off on your next debt, and you pay that off, and then it continues, and it continues. And as you pay off debt, you have more money. In other words, your money compounds. It grows, and it snowballs, and it's what call, what's called this snowball debt. And then when you get it all paid off, you can call his radio show and scream, I am debt-free. Now, here's the point. Those are positive examples of the snowball effect. But in our text is what I would say is a very negative example. Because where money compounds as you pay off debt, sin compounds as man is without God. And in the end, man stands before God in judgment of that sin and he suffers the wrath of God. Sometimes in this life, and then in the one to come, with, with, with certainly uh, eternity in hell and eventually in the lake of fire as we saw in the book of Revelation. Now, here's what I want us to do this morning, and I, I think this is probably one of the reasons why I'm so maybe a little bit nervous about uh, this message. It's not because of the content. I I think that we would all understand this morning, especially as people of Faith Baptist Church, that we're here to get something from the Bible. And this is not the preacher taking aim because we're studying through the book of Romans. And so where we're at is where we're at. And this is truth and we want it. And so it's not the content that makes me nervous, but it is the, it, it is the way that I want us to, the way that I felt like God would have us to look at this, it brings me out of my comfort zone a little bit and makes me nervous, but I do believe that God would have us to look at this this way. And so what I want us to do is I want us to go through this passage that we just read, verse by verse in its entirety, and look at some things about this depravity of man and see this snowball effect. And then I want us to maybe take a little time and, and preach and make some application because I believe this. I believe once we see these things, I certainly believe this, we'll realize how true the Word of God still is. And it's very applicable to our day and our time. So we're going to do a little teaching and then a little preaching, but it's probably going to be really just preaching and then preaching. However you want to put it. But I, I would encourage you, if you take notes, I really would, I would encourage you to write these things down. And so let me give you an explanation of this depravity right here in this passage. And here's what I wrote down, okay? And I want you to watch this. Number one, depravity begins, okay? Depravity begins when the basic truth of God, or what I would call the first truth of God's existence, it's suppressed. Depravity begins when that basic truth of God and His existence is suppressed, okay? Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at verse number 18. 
okay? And let's go down through here. Y'all all right this morning? Now, don't fall asleep in all of this because it's going to get gooder at the end. But you got to get all this so that you understand where we're at at the end, all right? Okay, look at verse number 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, the entirety of this passage, and I want you to think about this, it begins with the wrath of God and it ends with the judgment of God in verse number 32. And we'll see something about that here later on. But for now, I want you to focus on that last phrase right there in this verse that says this, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay? You with me? So, the word truth here, now watch this, I believe it has to do with the existence of God. There is a God. Alright? It's what I would call, what's often been dubbed as the first truth. In fact, I would even say this, now I want you to grab hold of this, I believe man who is created in the image of God, He's created in the image of God. He was born with that truth. No, notice in verse number 19, it says this, Because that which may be known of God, watch this, watch the wording, is manifest, what's that word right there? In them. Did you catch that? For God has showed it unto them. So notice this truth, this, this, this truth right here, of God, it's manifest in them, but then notice it also goes on and says, for God has showed it unto them. So God has put it in man as He created and fashioned man in His own image, but also God has showed it to man. Well, how has He showed it to man? Well, in creation. Look at verse number 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are manifest, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Come on, he's talking about creation. No, 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 please listen to this. If you want to know that if there is a God in heaven, then stop asking and look up. The sun, the moon, the stars, the order of His creation. But I'm, I'm just telling you, all of these things speak to His existence and His eternal power and Godhead. Well, preacher, I was taught that everything came by this big bang explosion. Let me help you with this, okay? You don't get order from explosions. And you don't get life from nothing. Order and life have to have a source. And that source is God. But to the point of the apostle, now watch this. The Gentile world, he's saying here, is without excuse. Well, why? Because they had this first truth in them, and they see evidence around them through creation. However, he says, they were unthankful. That means this, they were prideful, and they refused to humble themselves to that truth, 
Thus, the truth was held in unrighteousness. Now stay with me. Watch this. No, please get this. If you look at verse number 18 again, it says, Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So now that you know what truth is, you need to underline that word hold right there. Because the word hold right there, it means this. It means to restrain. To, if I could say it like this, to suppress. It means they, listen, it means that, it means that they denied this first truth even though it was in them and it was all around them. And then they eventually suppressed it with the lies of men and they be, listen, now, now watch this. Now that begins this snowball effect of man's depravity when he begins to suppress this truth that there is a God. Now look at the next thing. Number two. Depravity continues as man begins to worship something or someone else. Look at verse number 22. Okay, come on. Now watch this. <laughs> this is going to go a lot faster than you think. Notice it says, so he goes on and he says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Did you catch that? So, so notice, man, wow, come on now. Man is God's creation. And the fact that man has an innate desire to worship God, that shows you that man is God's creation. God created man to worship Him. However, when man suppresses the truth of God and refuses to worship Him, man will in turn worship something or someone else. He always does. Gentile history demonstrates this. Think about this, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and we're going to look at this later on. Now, I want you to think about this. And let's, let's get our minds working this morning. Hopefully you had enough coffee. Listen to this. At one point in the world's history, there's actually two points in the world's history, all mankind that was on the earth knew that God was God. Whether it was the days of Adam and Eve or Noah and his family after the flood. You catching this? However, we also know that as time progressed, men created false gods and began to worship false things. Egypt was known for worshiping their birds and their four-footed beasts uh, like that of a calf, which is why in, in, when Moses was in the wilderness with the people of Israel, he went up onto Mount Sinai. Everybody got together and said unto Aaron, make us gods that we can worship. And he fashioned a golden calf. Where do you think he came up with that idea? It wasn't like Aaron was this super huge genius. No, he got it from Egypt. These be your gods. That's what they did. And the point is this. Now watch this. Those false gods, those false religions, they had to start somewhere. Come on, they had to start somewhere. It had to start with a generation, watch this, with a generation who knew the truth of God, but they suppressed that truth, and then professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and created their own gods and their own religion. 
Now, come on, I'm telling you, this will make you chew on some stuff right here, won't it? Come on, watch this. They, they begin to idolize men like Buddha and Confucius or Muhammad. And they made their statues and their false gods of stones and, and wood carvings. They created attributes and legends that were far from reality. But this would help shape their own lives and give them something to glorify and worship. Things like polytheism and pantheism and reincarnation and all the things that exist today. Hinduism and all of this stuff. All of that stuff started somewhere. And it started with a generation who knew the truth, but they suppressed it and said, we're going to do what we want to do. And by the way, it's even among us in our nation. I said, it's even among us in our nation. Come on, look at verse number 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. We have suppressed the truth of God and His existence with the lie of evolution. And now we do, we're following this exact pattern. We worship the creature more than the Creator. And now you have things like animal activists. You have people wearing t-shirts today that says dogs are people too. No, they're not. They're dogs. Listen to me. If you are a grown man who calls your animal a fur baby, your man card should be revoked. Remember my wife came home one time. And she had read me an article in the local paper there in Cashville where we were at. And it was a reward for a lost dog. It was $500 reward. And it was a Pomeranian wearing a bumblebee outfit. And I looked at her and said, if they'd have dressed me up in a bumblebee outfit, I'd have ran away too. (laughs) But isn't it amazing that some movie star will get on a commercial and just... Act like this big dramatization and want your money every month to help these dogs and pets that have been mistreated. And don't get me wrong, I don't think you should mistreat your animals or any of those things. But I'm just saying to you, that's the same crowd that will turn around and murder a child in the womb and not care anything about it. And we want to save whales. Listen, I, we, we're, we go down to uh, the Panhandle of Florida and vacation every year and go out to Fort Pickens where our family's from and all that. And they got all these little barrier barricades off all down the beach because of bird eggs. And I, this is the hypocrisy of our government knows no bounds. That they'll look at that bird that's in the egg and say that's life, but a child in the womb, that's just a mass. You can do whatever you want to with it. That's the that listen to me, that's the depravity of man. And they will run out and chain themselves to a tree in the forest so that somebody won't cut it down but could care less about their fellow man or their family. You get what I'm saying? Honey, listen, you need to get your priorities right. That's wicked. That's, listen, this tree-hugging animal 
animal activist junk. That's worshiping the creature more than the creator. That is evidence of the depravity of man. When we don't care about human beings and the things of God, but we care about stuff that doesn't matter. Here's what I'm going to do, burn my trash. And come to church and love God and love people. And talk to people about the gospel. Does anybody, does anybody get what I'm saying? You Listen, I, I'm just telling you, that shows that we worship those things. But here's the thing. Now watch this. See, that's, depravity begins. All right, now you catching this? It begins with this suppression of the truth that there is no God. That there, there is no God. They begin to suppress the truth that there is a God. And so there is no God. They begin to worship other things or other people. And then depravity ends with man being given over to that which he lusts after. I'm not, listen, listen. The three, the three saddest statements in this passage of Scripture are found in verse 24 and 26 and 28 where every time you'll read in those verses, and God gave them up. Do you know why it says this? Because God is rich in mercy and great in His love toward us. Somebody say amen. But God doesn't force these things upon man. God created man in His own image to be a free moral agent. God loves us. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to choose Him, to humble ourselves and come to Him by faith. But when man rejects him, he suppresses the truth of him and begins to worship something or someone else besides him, God begins to step away and give, him, give, give man over to those things. Look, 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 look at what happens in verse 24. You with me? Come on, I'm just telling you. This is Bible. Look at what happens in verse 24. It says, Wherefore, God also... God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God gave them over to dishonor their own bodies. What he's talking about is this, to dishonor their own bodies in the false worship of their gods and their own lust. Things like this. Well, this was what was going on in Bible days. They would sacrifice their children. Come on, they, they would take their children, their, their, their babies and their small children, and they would, they would throw them into the fires of, of the false gods of, of Chemosh and Molech. And I, no, 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 and I know we're sitting here this morning going, boy, that is such a terrible and wicked thing. We're doing the same thing in our day, it's just called abortion. Because, honey, I'm telling you, whether it's in the belly or out of the belly, it's still life. And it's created in the image of God. And you can slap a fancy name on it. But I'm just telling you, that's exactly what... And listen, man is, is sacrificing their own children to their false gods of convenience. And really, we become our own God. And they'll mark their flesh, cutting themselves, 
giving themselves markings and tattoos to represent and glorify their false gods. We do the same things. Well, I know, preacher, but I got a tattoo of Jesus. Yeah, you really think you're going to stand before the righteous, holy God of heaven and earth and He's going to go, great job, son. I think you got another thing coming. Fornication and perverseness. Folks, I'm telling you, this, this was and is still part of man's worship to his false gods. Still is. In fact, look at verses 26 and 27. So we looked at 25 already, but look at verse 26 and 27. Because notice, God, for this cause God gave them up. There it is, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their, own, burned in their lust one toward another, Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. So God gives them up also to their vile affections. This, this snowball of lust continues as women change the natural use of their bodies from childbearing. And men change the natural use of the woman for intimacy. And so homosexuality and bestiality and pornography and child molestation. It begins to compound. Is everybody watching the snowball come down the hill? It's getting pretty big now. In verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over, there it is again, to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And goes on down and lists the unrighteousness and fornication and covetousness and envy and murder and debate and deceit and malignity and whispers and backbiters and haters of God. All of that stuff that you can continue reading. But what I'm saying to you is this, as all of this progresses, it gets to the point, watch this, that they cannot stand the name or the subject of God even being brought up. Kind of scares me when we got political parties booing the name of God at their conventions. I already mentioned that Wednesday night and started enough fighting, so I'm not going to go into that any deeper. But I'm talking about individually. You try talking to some of this homosexual and woke crowd about God. Don't even mention it. Don't even bring up His name. And here's why. Watch this. And here's why. Because they're forced to acknowledge their own wickedness when you do. And it gets to the point where they can no longer be reasoned with. And God says this, I give them up to a reprobate mind. Do you, know, do you know what that means? That, that word reprobate means, means this. It means wasted. It means that God created them in His image. But they rejected Him for so long that they are beyond the point where He can even reason with them. And it's as if they're just wasted. 
And this sin just continues to snowball through all those verses. And in the end, look at verse number 32. I think this is the other sad statement here. Knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I mean, listen, they, they know it. They may, they, they're not going to admit it, but they know it. And in the end, they're going to stand before God and they're going to be judged and they know it and they don't even care it's like, and they enjoy what they're doing. Folks, that's scary. I said, that's scary. Now, now, now listen, I, I don't think that it would take, I don't think it'd take us very long to begin to start making a little bit of application right here. In fact, I, I would say this. It's interesting, this pattern. This pattern. Snowballing. But did you know this? There's actually two patterns here. I want you to go back to verse number 18. Stay with me. I'm getting there. Look at verse number 18 again. It says this. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So Paul mentions here, now watch this, now come on now, stay with me, don't, don't lose me. Alright, watch, watch this. Paul mentions here that the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. In other words, watch this, as man has a tendency, okay, this is the pattern of man, as he rejects God, he snowballs into depravity. Is anybody getting this? But there's, watch this, but here's the other thing that you got to catch. Come on, you got to catch this. See, as man snowballs into depravity, that's the pattern that man goes. Watch this. God also has a pattern. That where man snowballs and gets to that place in depravity, God also has a habit of stepping in and bringing about His wrath and His judgment. I mentioned this earlier, I said, there are only two times, all right, there are only two times in the history of this world where all men that were on the earth knew God. Creation with Adam and Eve and the flood with Noah. But no, but I'm telling you, if you study it out, you'll see these patterns. Go with me to Genesis chapter 6. You can leave your place there in the book of Romans. We might be back, we might not. In fact, you're in Genesis chapter 6. Now watch this. With, crea- with the creation of Adam and Eve, okay, in, in chapters 1 through 3, <laughs> and then in chapters 4, in chapter 4 you have Adam and Eve procreating and giving birth to two sons, Cain and Abel. And you and I know the story. Cain kills Abel out of envy with his relationship with God. Abel brought the right sacrifice, and Cain brought the wrong sacrifice. Abel brought the blood sacrifice, but Cain brought one of his own hands, of his own works. And so thus, Cain is judged by God. Watch this. And what's going to happen is, a lineage will be created that begins to suppress the truth of God. Be a fact... 
Now what? Remember, remember what happens? Come on. You suppress the truth of God, and what happens with man is, as he begins to snowball perverseness. In fact, it's going to be a descendant of Cain named Lamech who's going to marry two wives. You know what just happened? He perverted what God created in marriage in the home. And so, you understand, this, this, this lineage of, of, of suppression and perversion is going to begin to flow. And so, you have Genesis chapter 5, you have the two lineages of men, uh, Cain and then Seth. So Seth has been born, and, and a godly lineage is reestablished because it says at the end of chapter 4, men begin to call upon the name of the Lord again. And so there's this godly lineage, but there's still this ungodly lineage of Cain who suppressed the truth and perverted the things of God. And then look at chapter 6, verse number 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was, what's that word right there? Great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Come on, doesn't that sound like Romans chapter 1 to you? And then notice, and it says, And it repented the Lord that He made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing. <laughs> the things he was worshiping. Wow. The fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made man. But aren't you glad for verse number eight? <laughs> but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What a blessing. Did anybody get that pattern though? Come on, did anybody get that two patterns? That there was a generation that suppressed the truth of God. And they began to pervert the things of God and created their own false gods. And they got to a place that they were so depraved and so wicked in their corruption that God said, that's it, I've got to step in. And He judged the world in a flood. Come on, I said He judged the world in a flood. It's Bible. Biblical, historical truth. Yeah. But on the other side of that, the waters begin to assuage, the Bible says. And God didn't forget about old Noah. And his wife, and Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. And so the waters went down, the earth dried out, and aren't you glad Noah waited on God's timing? He avoided a lot of mud. And he got out. And, 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 and once again, watch this, everybody on the earth knew God. I said everybody on the earth knew God. But it didn't stay that way. Because what happens, what begins to happen... And, in Genesis 7 and 8 and 9, and I believe it's around um, all through those chapters there. I don't want to go back to my notes and stuff, but you can look at it. It starts talking about, I believe it's Shem, whose descendants, and I believe it's Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. 
It says that his descendants inhabited the isles of the Gentiles. Shem and, and Ham. What an awesome name, Ham. That just makes me hungry. Amen. I don't want bacon. I don't know. We should have a kid named Bacon. Amen. And then there's Japheth. And I believe it's in Genesis chapter number 10, if I'm not mistaken. That Japheth has a lineage that trickles down to a man named Abram. He's in the Ur of the Chaldees. And God goes to Abram. I want you to follow me to a land that I'm going to prom- I promise in you. And Abraham goes. Well, it's Abram at the time. He takes his nephew Lot. Those nephews. That's really, that's what happened. Man, they start going. And Abram's household grows. And, and Lot's household grows. And they begin to kind of be at odds with one another. And so Abraham goes and compromises and says, Lot, uh, we've got a part. I'll let you pick. And Lot sets, pitches his tent towards two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Light's coming on, isn't it? Is everybody catching this? Because what happens is those two cities are inhabited by some descendants of Shem and Ham who begin to suppress the truth, begin to snowball even to a place of great wickedness and perverseness to, of, of God. In fact, it's so bad that God sends two angels to visit that city and really with the intention of rescuing Lot and getting his family out. And while doing so, the men of that city circle the house of Lot and they want to rape, they, they want to rape the angels. That is how sexually perverted this, these two cities have become. And, and so Lot has gotten, hit his family are out. Of course, we know the story of the judgment and the things that happened. His wife turns, all of that stuff. But we also know this, that as they're going out, God begins to rain fire from The wrath of God is revealed from heaven among men. Whoa. Did you catch the pattern? Man snowballs in his depravity. And God steps in and brings about his wrath. Now here's what scares me. This is what scares me. I think we're living in a nation that's following this pattern. I said I think we're living in a nation that's following this pattern. I, I listen. I, I would venture to say that I, I think we would all be in agreement that there used to be a time where the truth of God was given. No, it was not just in our churches; it was given in our schoolhouses. And every little boy and every little girl was taught the truth that there is a God. No, 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 no. And I'm not trying to say that, oh, our past and our history, we just had a perfect and wonderful and God. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I think that you could study it out and find out that in every generation it had its problems and its issues with sin. But I'm just saying, primarily speaking, 
that there was a time and place throughout our history of our nation where, where, where young people got the truth of God and His Word. In fact, I'd venture to say there's people in this room who were maybe born in the 40s and 50s or grew up, maybe even in the early 60s in, in school, and they took their Bible to school. Because you are taught the Bible at school. You were taught creation at school. You took your King James Bible because it gave you proper English. In fact, I've even said this about the book of Romans. That this book was used in the law schools up until the 60s and 70s all across the United States because it's one of the best, it's one of the best defenses for man's need for the gospel and how man can receive it by faith that's ever been penned in Scripture by the Spirit of God. It was used in our law schools at one time. But then there came up a generation that wanted to suppress this truth. They started whining about things like separation of church and state and they didn't understand that that law was given to keep the state out of the church, not the church out of the state. And so Bibles were taken out of school. And, and kids were taught the theory of evolution instead of creation. Boy, look at it where we're at now. The boulder's big, son. And it's at the bottom of the hill. Hey, listen, listen to me. I'm, I'm telling you, my generation, you, you know, uh, growing up, I born in 75, and, and, and then growing up in school, yep, you know, by the time I came around, it was taught as fact. Evolution. There was no theory to it. It was fact. Big bang. You got no... Well, evolution or creation, you make a decision. You got none of that. You got, it's evolution. Science. But even, now watch this, but even growing up in my generation, we still understood that, I mean like, adultery and fornication, that, that's wrong. And to go as far as something with women with women and men with men working that which is unseemly, in the sin of homelessness, that is utterly wicked and perverted and evil and, I mean, almost unheard of. But it didn't stay that way, did it? Come on, because what happened is this, is that the sodomite crowd began to rise up and say, well, we want to be accepted among the general public. And then, you know, you know listen, now... Now, now we want to get married. And we want to be allowed in military. And we think that you should have some of our representatives on your television shows and commercials. And then it progressed. Everybody, everybody listen to this? That it's snowballing. And, and then it became, well, you know, there's this transgenderism thing too. And, and if you want to, you know, if you're a woman trying to look like a man and act like a man, and, or if you're a guy dressed up in a dress and being a drag queen. But now, now we want it to be where you can have the surgery to actually fully do the thing. And we want it to be where those men can use those ladies' restrooms. 
Right. Be, be fact, that's, that's not good enough. We want your kids to learn about this stuff. So you mean to tell me that in about two or three generations we went from we don't want kids to have the Bible, but we want kids to have this. And I'm going to tell you why they're doing it. Because they can't reproduce. They have to recruit. And if they can brainwash their children with that garbage at an early age, they got them right where they want them. And the snowball continues to go down. And what scares me is this, that according to the pattern of the scriptures, anybody getting this? Come on now, I got a couple, I got a long way to go. Hang on. What scares me is this, is that according to the patterns, we're getting real close to the judgment and wrath of God being revealed from heaven. That's right. So preacher, what do we do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because you know what Paul said? Paul said, I'm going to separate under the gospel of Christ. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You want, you want to know what we need to do? Here's what we need to do. Preach! Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ! Stand on the word of God! Vote righteously! And witness and tell others how to be saved. Why? Because who knows, you may rescue some out of the fire. You may reach them before they get to this place of a reprobate mind and they can receive Christ and be changed and washed in the blood and saved and have eternal life and get a right mind according to the Word of God. Well, preacher, I just don't believe you're just going to reach this. Really? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I said read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because here's what Paul said. He said, don't you know, don't you know that these are those that are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And he talks about fornicators and adulterers and effeminate. <laughs> and such were some of you. But now ye, are, ye have been washed and sanctified and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. What I'm saying to you is this, is that if they could have got washed and sanctified and justified in, in the city of Corinth, then they could get washed and justified and sanctified in the city of Olathe. Huh. But it's not just nations doing this. It's generations of people. I said it's generations of people. And I've watched it as a pastor. I've watched the first generation of Christians, boy, and they get saved and they get on fire for God, passionate about the things of God. But then the second generation comes up and they're brought up in church and boy, they just develop this arrogant attitude. And they don't walk with God and they don't spend time with God in His Word and they're not really sold out and they're not surrendered. You getting this, young people? And they just kind of, you know, and they hit the young adult life and they're like, you know, I really want to do this, and I really want to do that, and I really want to do this. And so they start, you know, skipping out on church and, you know, hit and miss, whatever, and things are a little more important. And then they get married and have kids. Third generation comes up. 
And they're like, you know, mom and dad took us to church all the time, but we're not, we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to, Junior wants to play ball, and little Susie, she wants to do gymnastics or ballet or whatever. So we're going to do those things. And we'll come to church when we got a chance. And then they have kids. And by the time they come up, they don't go to church at all. And their children have no concept of God. And they begin to embrace the wickedness and the depravity of their culture. Am I catching this? What started out as truth got suppressed, then perverted, snowballed. And I've seen judgment of God as a result of it. I've seen, I've seen grandparents raising their grandkids because of that. I've seen great-grandparents raising their great-grandchildren. Is everybody catching this? I've seen, I've seen moms and dads and grandparents and great-grandparents burying children because they died from some drug overdose or going and visiting their grandkids and great-grandkids in jail because they got arrested for their wickedness. Is everybody catching this? Is anybody listening? Okay, so preacher, well, what do we do? Well, here's what I'd do. If it was me in my house, I'd say this. I'm going to separate to the, under the gospel. Amen. I would say this. That, well, no, 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 catch this. If God thought it worthy enough to make the gospel the central theme of the Bible, don't you think it's worthy enough to make it the central theme of your life and family? Amen. And that you would be sold out and living for Him? And please catch this. I'm telling you, if it's the first generation, you have the responsibility, or even the second generation, you have the responsibility to make sure that truth is not suppressed in your home and in your choices because you put sports or some hobby above the things of God. Don't let the devil and his tempting bring you to a place where you are suppressing the truth. But if you're second, third, and fourth generation, please catch this. You got just as much responsibility to have fire in your, in your soul for the things of God as the first generation does. And, and, here's, and here's what I fear, is that we've got second, third, and fourth generations, and they're following suit, and it starts with this. They become unthankful. And you're ungrateful. My mom jags me to church. Yeah, that's the best drug problem you could ever have. And you're sitting here in a good godly church getting Bible preaching that most places aren't getting. And you got a mom and dad who love you and care about you, care about you enough to bring you to this place two, three, four times a week or whatever, or put you in a good godly Christian school. And you want to sit there with an attitude, I don't need this stuff. You're unthankful. And you're headed in this direction. And you better stop and get right with God. Because if you don't, the judgment of God's going to step in. But I've watched it personally, too. I've seen individuals who at one time claimed to be saved, even served the Lord, lived for God. Something bad happened in their life, some tragedy or some difficulty, and they get bitter towards God, and they stop coming to church, and they stop living for God, and they stop serving God, and they start suppressing the truth of God. Is anybody catching this? And, and what's amazing is this, to see people 
who at one time stood where you and I stand on the things of God, and now they're embracing the wokeism and the mindset of this culture. And some of them are even living it out in homosexual relationships and pervertedness. Everybody catching that? And I'm telling you, there's great danger for people that are lost. Because this is where I was at. As a 20-year-old young man, I didn't know God. No, I, I was a kid, went to church and learned the things of God. This is what's amazing is that when I was a small kid, you didn't have to tell me there was a God. I knew there was a God. I prayed to God. I believed in God. I had a Bible. I went to church every now and then. I knew that. But as I grew up, that lie was suppressed with evolution. By the time I became a 20-year-old young man, I didn't know God. I didn't believe there was a God. And watch this. And because of that, I began to follow in the sins of my father. And I began to go in this direction. Everybody catching this? Sure thankful I met Natalie. I started going to church with her and her family. And I'm glad there was a man of God that stayed in the pulpit and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and I got saved. Before I got to that place of that reprobate mind. Please listen to me. I'm just telling you if that's where you're at this morning, you need to be saved. Don't follow this pattern and don't go any further. Because if you get too far, you reach the place of being unreasonable and reprobate. And there's nothing else you can do. Tell them I'm almost done, brother. I'm almost done. You're good. I'm just telling you, listen to me. Don't get to that place. Don't get to that place. You're a child of God this morning, I'm telling you. Let's not get in this pattern. Let's rescue people out of the pattern. Yeah. Let's all stand this morning.